How are you today? Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. We are continuing talking to you on this subject of lighten the load, of how that in our lives that we continuously, day in and day out, uh, have a tendency to take on a lot of luggage. How many of you have taken on some excess luggage? And I'm not talking about your weight now. Don't, I don't want to offend people just starting off the sermon. I want to at least give a five-minute introduction, you know, before I mess up your world. Um, so we've been talking about how to lighten the load. We talked about how to lighten your load uh, in the aspect of your faith. Then we talked about how to lighten the load in, with your family. Last week we talked about lightening the load uh, with your finances. And today I want to talk about how to lighten the load with your future. How many of you saw all the stuff behind me this morning and said, okay, I've got enough questions already. Why wow, they got question marks up there this morning? Well, that's what it's about, is, is what, what is it that we're facing? How many of you remember a few years ago, uh, there was, I think, three different movies called Back to the Future, right? Michael J. Fox and whoever else was all in that. And um, it, it was all the process of Back to the Future. And, and wouldn't it be great to be able to go Back to the Future? Some of you aren't sure. Now, what we've got to understand this morning is this, is that in our lives that each and every one of us are going to face the future. Whether you want to or not, you will face the future. You say, well, Pastor, I may die today. Well, you're still going to face the future. Everything is in the future. Your past is over. You can't go back and relive it. All you can do is live in the future. You say, well, Pastor, how can I live in the future? Well, let's talk about that. Take your Bibles and go to the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 this morning. And as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses this morning. Uh, today, all of you that are joining with us, uh, we just pray God's blessing upon you there today, the power and the presence of God uh, to minister in that place as well as here as we go into God's Word today. The book of 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning in verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face... Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, from one place to the next. We don't stay the same place. We keep moving just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul writing here, the church at Corinth, said, listen, God is taking us from one place to the next. He is taking us into the future from glory to glory. And the quicker that you get into the plan of God and the purpose of God, the quicker you are going to be able to fulfill the destiny that God has for your life. But what you've got to do is you've got to be willing to lighten the load in your life. Now, let's talk about the future for a minute. How many of you know that the future has a lot of unknowns? I don't know what tomorrow is going to be. I don't know what next week is going to be. I don't know what uh, is, is out there, what I am facing. And if we're not careful, we have a tendency to allow the fear of the future to keep us chained to the past. You know, recently Sherry and I uh, were um, up north in, in New York and in Pennsylvania, and, and we went to a, a place where uh, that, that uh, a group, I'll not call it because I don't want to be uh, politically incorrect, but anyway, uh, that, that they, uh, they still dri drive around in buggies and horses and, uh, you know, still live that no electricity and all that life. And I thought, you know what, that, that is really resisting the future. Amen? But here's what I found is that you may not be riding around in a horse and a buggy this morning, or you may have. I don't know. I haven't looked at the parking lot yet. But 
but, but what I do know is, is that people, people fear the future. They don't want to be involved in the future. They don't want. It's kind of like I like the way things are right now. But let me help you this morning understand that you are in the process of moving into your future. And so what you've got to come to an understanding of is how do I do that without burden? How do I do that in the way that God could use the future the same way that he has used the past in my life? And so I, I want to give you five quick keys this morning as we kind of look at this. Look in the fourth chapter, verse number one. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. The first thing you've got to do this morning is you must remember your call from God. Everybody is called of God. You say, well, you know, I see that in, the, you know, in people who are in full-time ministry. No, no, no. Before I was ever called into full-time ministry, I was called of God. I was called to be God's son. Right? And, and so every one of us are called of God. And the quicker that you go back to that call, I've, I've told uh, pastors a lot of times, is it a burden or is it a call? Now, let me, let me define that for you real quickly. I can be sitting at home and, and be flipping the channels and come across one of these, uh, uh, you know, ads or one of these 30-minute infomercials about people, uh, especially children who are hungry and who are doing without and all that, and I can get a burden for that, all right? But I can go pretty quickly from that channel to the football game, and that burden lifts, Right? I'm looking at this and say, man, that is really horrible. I feel sorry for them. I wish they, they had all the money I had. I wish they had all the, the blessings I had. Click. Oh, man, look at that guy run. <laughs> just that quick. I mean, it happens just that fast. And what a lot of us don't realize sometimes is that we are operating under a burden and not under a call. If you know what you are called to do, then that never go, goes out of style and it never grows old. Now, it doesn't mean you don't have problems. It doesn't mean you don't have bad days. But it's back to that old song we used to sing, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So when you begin to come to that place of understanding, wait a minute, I am called of God to do this. First of all, I'm called to be his child, so I've got that settled. So whatever the future holds, whatever's coming along in my life, Jesus Christ has called me as his son. In fact, the Bible says that I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And so I have settled that this morning. Um, you come to me this morning and say, are you a child of God? I don't have to think about it. I don't have to go pray for 30 minutes. I, I don't, you know, I'm not backsliding every other day. I am secure in who I am and who has called me. Amen. Uh, you, you know, some of you need to get out of your eternal insecurity. Well, I don't know if I'm still saved. Well, what would you do? Well, you know, I thought a bad thought. Wow, that's it? I'll keep going. In, in our lives, we have to settle this. I'm, I'm called of God as a son and a daughter of the king. 
Then I'm called of God to my life calling. What is it that God's called you to do? Maybe it's to be a mom. Maybe it's to be uh, an employer. Maybe it's to be a professional. Maybe it's whatever. What is it that God has called me to do? The, the Bible says that God has made us a kingdom, uh, a nation, excuse me, a nation of kings and priests before the Lord. Now watch what this means. Th this is a twofold aspect of anybody that's in a kingdom of God. You are either a king or you are a priest before God. Kings exercise their ministry in what we would refer to as the world. All right? It's in the natural aspect. It's getting up and making a living. It's going through all those things. Priests are those who operate in what we ref would refer to as the religious world. It's pastors and ministers and people who are called to quote-unquote full-time ministry, except all of us are called to full-time ministry. So that is the call from God. So whether you get up tomorrow and you go to work for a nonprofit organization that only ministers to people, or you get up tomorrow and you go to work uh, for a Fortune 500 company, or you are a professional and you do, uh, uh, you know, you're a lawyer or a doctor, you are still called of God into that arena that you are in to make a difference in whatever it is you're doing. If you're selling cars, you're selling shoes. You, I mean, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is you're doing, you are called of God to be there. And so the quicker you understand that, that listen, the Bible says that you don't work unto man. That you're to work is unto God. So when you get up and go into work tomorrow, it's not, oh man, I got it. No, it's I am going to fulfill the call that God has on my life. And so as I settle that, then the future uh, is not near as scary. It's, there's not the fear that I would have because I know that I'm called of God to do this which God is directing me to do in my life day in and day out. But look in verse 2. Verse 2 says, but we have renounced, now again, we're talking about lightening the load for our future. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, now the Apostle Paul said, look, he said, we have renounced, I, I want you to get this, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. So here's the second thing you've got to do, is secondly, you've got to stay clearer with God. You say, what do you mean stay clear with God? The, the Word of God, listen, we have come to the place in Christianity, especially in America, that we feel like we can live any way we want to, and just as long as we come to church and raise our hand or say, Jesus, bless me, that everything's going to be okay. And yet the Word of God lets us know that God calls us out of the world and He calls us into holiness and He calls us into living a life that is set apart unto Him. The Bible says you ought to renounce the hidden things of darkness. Do you see how much the church in America is embracing the hidden things of darkness? I mean, when was the last time anybody had a sin issue? Now, we got problems, we got habits, boy, it gets quiet. We've got addictions, we've got lifestyle issues, but nobody's got a sin problem. First of all is we've done away with most things that the Bible calls sin. Well, well, well. We, we've, you know, we've kind of, well, that's, 
you know, that's Old Testament, oh, that's this, that's that. And, and we've, we've, you know, we've done away with, if we had a list 40 years ago, we've done away with half the list. I mean, Christians do things now that 40 years ago sinners would have been ashamed of. Hallelujah. If you want to enter the future without bondage in your life, you've got to be willing not only to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, but you must be willing to accept Him as Lord. That means if He says in His Word, don't do that, then you don't do that. If He says do this, then you do that. It's not... You know, it's not multiple choice. It's not, well, I'll pick this sin and that one. No, no, no. If he lays it out and says, this is how you are to live, then, ladies and gentlemen, it is up to us to keep clarity with us and God if we really want to enter the future without a bunch of stuff holding us back where we can never reach everything that God has. And so I challenge, especially those of you who call yourselves believers today, I challenge you to make up in your mind that you are not not even going to get close to the line. You know, all my pastoring, all the years that I've pastored, it's interesting how often I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, can I do this and still be saved? Can I do this and still go to heaven? What they're saying is, can I get as close to the edge without falling off? I would love someday for somebody to come in and say, Pastor, how far away from the edge can I go? Can I just fall in love with Jesus? See, because it's not about legalistic do's and don'ts. It's about falling in love with Jesus and renouncing and saying, wait a minute, I am not going to allow hidden things of darkness to rule my life. I am going to take my life, and I'm going to give it to Jesus Christ as a living sacrifice because that is holy and it is acceptable unto the Lord. And that's how we're going to live. And that's what God calls us to is to say, look, live in this place where you have clarity between you and God. Look in verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I saw a translation years ago uh, that says we have this treasure in clay pots. And I've always wanted to preach a sermon on crack pots. Because I've just decided we're all a bunch of crackpots. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, you're a crackpot? Come on. Come on. Some of you aren't being obedient. Those of you who are watching, just tell them, all right? You're a crackpot. You say, no, 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 I'm not. Yes, you are. But we have this treasure in cracked pots. I know I'm taking a little liberty. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The third thing you've got to do this day is that you have got to accept your limitations. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever tried to change somebody else? It's like trying to push a rope up a hill. 
I mean, it, it's just, it is just unbelievable. I'm, I'm going to, and, and it always happens when somebody's getting ready to marry somebody. And they come in for counseling and they say, uh, well, I know that this about them, I know them, but, but when we get married, I'm going to. And all of us who have been down that road just smile. <laughs> because we're just waiting about a year because we know they'll be back. And they'll not have changed them because you can't change somebody else. And what has to happen is, is that we have to come to the place, according to the Scripture, it says that, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have it uh, in this aspect of clay pots, and those clay pots get cracked. And in our lives, there is this treasure that God has placed there, but I'm not God, He is. And so I have to be willing to accept my limitations. And when I accept my limitations, life becomes a lot easier to live. Some of you take yourselves way too seriously. I have people come to me and say, how can you get up there and joke and have people laugh? And Don't you realize this is a serious thing? People are in the hands of God. I know that. That's why we have to laugh every once in a while. Because you know what? It's not up to me to save you. All that it's up to me to do is to preach to you. And once I'm done with this lesson this morning and I walk off this stage, it's in your hands what you do with it. And I found out years ago, the quicker I gave up trying to make people do what the Word of God says, the easier my life became. I'm supposed to be telling people what the Word of God says, and what they do with that is between them and God. I decided years ago that I would not be a spiritual cop. If I want to be a policeman, I'll join the police force. Otherwise, when you leave today, how you live, not my problem. Wow, it gets. So I can't believe the preacher would say it's not his problem how I live it's not it's your problem now I'm going to give you the word I'm going to tell you what God does and you will give an account for what the word of God says in your life but I cannot listen I found out a long time ago I have enough trouble with me let alone thee And so we, we've got to come to that place where we accept our limitations. What are the limitations in your life that you have not accepted yet? Well, I want to be taller. Well, you're probably not, you know, if you're over 20, you're probably not going to grow taller. Well, I, I want to be skinnier. Well, now that one you can work on. I want to, you know, whatever. I want to be all these things. And yet we come to the place of continually striving. The, the Bible makes an interesting statement and it makes several interesting statements. Just thought about that as it kind of rolled off my tongue. But one of them is, the Bible says that if you judge yourselves by yourselves, you're unwise. It, it goes back to that call thing. When, when somebody is called to do something, I mean, I, I listen to people sing who have a, have a great ability to sing. I listen to some people who sing, go, I can do that. Right? Ever been in one of those services where somebody walks up and says, y'all pray for me as I sing, don't listen to the, 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 the song, just listen to the words, and I'm going, oh, no. It's going to be a long morning. 
And, and those kind of people, I go, I can do that. But there are other people who, who really can sing, and I listen to them, and I go, I can't do that. Now, how foolish would I be to spend my life trying to sing if I don't really have the ability to sing? So what am I going to do? I'm going to do what God calls me to do. I'm going to accept my limitations, and I wish some people would hear that. I mean, why is it in church we allow people to wear us out I'm just speaking. I, I, this is, you know, the Apostle Paul wrote at times, he said, uh, this I say, not the Lord. So this I say, not the Lord. Why is it in church that we allow people to do things that we know they're not capable of doing, but we just let them do it because we say, well, it's for the church. Listen, for the church ought to be the best thing going. This is for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This ought to be the best we have. But when I come to the place of saying, wait a minute, I will accept my limitations, I will accept my sphere of influence, and I will live in that, then the future becomes a lot brighter, and I'm able to live a, a lot better. I found out years ago, and understand how I say this, this is not in a derogatory statement, but I found out years ago that I, in a sense, as a pastor, I am just a bus driver. So what do you mean? I mean that I drive the bus, and sometimes when I stop the bus, some people get off and some people get on. And I found out that if I spend all my time concerned about the people who got off the bus, instead of trying to minister to the people who were on the bus, I was going to drive myself absolutely stark raving mad, and it's not a far drive, it's a putt. <laughs> and so I just came to the place of saying, wait a minute. I know what God's called me to do. I understand my calling from the Lord. And so these are my limitations, and I am going to be obedient to what God's called me to do. And you know what? The future is a lot, lot brighter when you do that. Let me give you two more. Look in verse uh, 16, if you would. Same chapter. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The fourth thing you've got to do to enter the future and to really be what God's called you to be is you've got to learn to recharge the batteries. He said the outer man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day to day. Now, we recharge the batteries by the Word of God. I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against these, what the Scripture says. So as I put the Word of God into my life, the Spirit of God waters that, and my inward person is being renewed. But you also have to recharge the batteries of the outward person. I've heard people say, well, I would rather burn out than rust out. Well, you're out either way. Right? And, and I know that I shouldn't preach this because now I'm going to be required to live it. And I'm not good at this. I, I would just tell you, I'm not good at this. When I'm in town, uh, I think I'm supposed to be here every day. I just, it's just my makeup, who I am, and, and, and my wife will remind me of this sermon, I'm sure. But God set into place, he's the one who set up the Sabbath, not us. He's the one who said, one out of seven, you need to chill out. Zig Ziglar, I believe it is, refers to it as sharpening the saw. He talks about 
guys who are out logging that they have to sharpen the saw, and sharpening the saw is not wasted time. So in your life, you've got to recharge the batteries. You, you've got wh whatever it is that recharges you. It may, it may be a round of golf. It may be going shopping. It may be going fit. Whatever it is that recharges your batteries, you need to learn uh, to do that. And, and let me help husbands and wives here. Don't get upset if the other person wants to do something that you don't enjoy. Boy, I'm just really messing stuff up. All right, let them go every once in a while. Let them hang out. I don't want them hanging out with the boys. Well, you know, every man needs at least six good friends because they're going to have to let him down one day. <laughs> let me give you the last one. Look at verse 17, if you would. For our light affliction. Now, now, let me stop just a moment. Do you realize what the Apostle Paul calls light affliction? Go read it. He listed it at one point in his writings. He said, um, I've suffered shipwreck. I've been in the deep. He said, I've been beaten with 39 stripes several times. I've been stoned, and not the way y'all are thinking. He said, I've been, he names all the, all the times, and then he says, but these light afflictions. I mean, I know Christians who don't come to church for a month if they've got a toothache. Didn't get much shouting on that one. I hope the campuses got that. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The fifth thing you've got to do, and I close, is that you've got to maintain the proper perspective. The Apostle Paul talks about eternal things. You and I have got to come to the place that we understand that this life is fleeting. Now, when you are 16 and 18, it doesn't seem that. But when you're 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and, dare I say, 80, you snap your finger and another year is gone. And if we are not careful, what happens to us is, is that we allow the moment to take away our perspective of the future. One of the saddest things that I see as a pastor is to see people who have been on fire for God, who have loved God, who have served Him diligently for years and years, and then all of a sudden, a moment happens. A moment of indiscretion, a moment of whatever happens to them, and in that fleeting moment, they forget about eternity. And they lay aside everything that's precious to them so that for a moment of pleasure, a moment of time, they grab a hold of something that seems to be so wonderful 
And yet, it's like sand that runs through their hands and they can't ever grab a hold of it. And so you meet them five years, ten years down the road and you start talking to them. And even though they may try to tell you how wonderful life is, as you look deeply in their eyes, you see that something is missing. Something is gone because they have now traded in the riches of heaven for a moment of pleasure. The Apostle Paul wrote to us and he said, keep the right perspective. If you really want the future to be everything that you desire, then you've got to understand that life is a vapor. You're here today, and you're gone tomorrow. You say, Pastor, that's pessimistic. No, that's realistic. Life is fleeting, but eternity is everlasting. So when I get the perspective of no matter what happens here, the Apostle Paul referring to all these tribulations and problems and difficulties that he had been through, said they're but light afflictions compared to eternity. Listen, whatever it is that you go through on this earth, whatever it is that you experience, the good as well as the bad, I promise you, compared to eternity, it's but a moment. My challenge to you this morning is, as you look at your life, that you make a decision today and say, you know what? I want the future to be everything that God wants it to be. Today, in my life, I don't want to enter the future loaded down. I want to go lightly into everything that God has. Every blessing, every benefit, everything that he has for my life. So that one day I will meet him and he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant.